You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Thursday, May 13th, 2021. On the show today, brought to you by Locker Room. Guys, go check out Locker Room. Uh, I know I played some of the clip yesterday, the trivia that we do in Locker Room. So much fun. Download it on iOS or Android. Follow me at Josh Neighbors on there. Great place to interact with all of your favorite sports friends and personalities. On the show today, Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington joins me to discuss the state of the Nationals after their uh, their two losses in three games to the Phillies. We discussed their win today, five to one over Philadelphia, and kind of hit on where this team is headed, where they're you know where they've been, and what needs to shape up if they want to be serious, uh, you know, have a serious chance of winning something significant in this season. A whole lot of you know, we really touched on the entire team here, so good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here from the Lockdown Nationals podcast. And joining me tonight, it is Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. And Matt, um, you and I were just talking before we started. There is no better encapsulation of the 2021 Nationals to this point than the series they had just went through with the Phillies. Um, two games that they won, they should have won for sure. And they did not win. Uh, one they did win and one they lost. So... You know, there's so many different angles that I think this week touched. Let's start with the the positive, is that today the Nationals did get a win. Uh, they came out, their offense was strong despite falling behind. They, they get a 5-1 to one win on the back of strong pitching from the starting pitching, from Patrick Corbin, and also from the bullpen as well. So, and then the offense, obviously, you know, five runs is really good for this team right now. What's the, what's, was the, mo- the thing that stood out the most to you? What, what would you say, okay, that was something that, you know, really just caught my eye to that because there's so many different ways you can go with this. Yeah, I think Patrick Corbin settling in and, and going six innings was probably the biggest takeaway that the Nationals can uh, be pleased about from this game. You know, he's kind of been trending in the right direction, uh, still started off a little bit slow, uh, gave up a run early in the first inning. Nationals fell behind, but he was able to settle in. He racked up a few Ks. He went six innings, gave him a quality start. Uh, and that's really what the Nationals need if, if this lineup isn't going to produce at, you know, pre 2020 levels, then they're going to need the starting pitching and bullpen to be almost perfect every single day. And uh, Corbin was about as good as you can ask for. Yeah, he was great today. I mean, the, the you know, gives up the one run, uh, obviously and it comes, you know, it was because of, because of an error. So, I mean, it was you know, it really wasn't on him, um, but 102, I mean, the big thing was he gave them length too, right? He gave them length, which is really important. He gave them seven full innings and they had to go to um, Tanner Rainey, Daniel Hudson, and Austin Voth in the end. And, hey, there's another kind of bigger leverage situation for Austin Voth, which is good to see. Um, this, yeah, the starting pitching across the board in this series, you know, I didn't feel like at any point in time the starting pitching took them out. I mean, I know that, I know the offense, uh, you know, I know that the pitching on in the first game really wasn't great, and it was Eric Fetty's game. He got three runs. But I, I didn't feel like the pitching took them out of the game. Obviously, Kyle Finnegan really struggled there towards the end, but they they need to be able to win a game seven to six, right? They're going to need to be able to win a couple of those games, and right now they can't. But I thought they made pretty good adjustments, and I thought Wednesday and Thursday today, the starting pitching in the – well, save Brett Hand, but I thought the, the pitching got it done. Like, I, I think that's good enough to win both games. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I would say definitely the rotation, you know, over the past two weeks, even with Strasburg on the IL has put the Nationals in a position to win. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, we're not seeing Scherzer complete games every start, but we're still seeing some pretty solid outings. John Lester has looked pretty good. He's not racking up a ton of Ks, but he's been efficient uh, and, and gone, giving them a little bit of length in, in times that they've really needed it. Corbin is, is starting to figure things out. And both Ross and Fetty have had their ups and downs this year, had a few nice starts, had a few bad starts. But overall, you know, those are your back rotation guys, dudes that you weren't really expecting to give you, you know, great games. So anything you really get out of them is going to be considered gravy, in my opinion, um, because those are the days that the offense is just generally ex expected to step up a little bit more. So I'd say overall, all, all five guys that have been in the rotation are, are, are doing what they've been asked to do. Uh, it's just a question now of can the Nationals score enough runs to pull themselves out of this early hole they've created? Right. I thought John Lester was definitely good enough yesterday. You know, six innings, 97 pitches, four Ks, three walks, one earned run, six hits. Definitely good enough. And um, the the issue I'm having is this, and I think this manifests – I'm not saying this is the reason why, is that I just – I don't understand the bullpen usage. I, I That is something that I've been wondering about because, you know, you have the injuries to Avilon and then Suero. And those guys got a lot of usage. I mean, you and I talked about it last time. Wander Suero was just getting worked. Kyle Finnegan feels like he's approaching that territory and it's really not going his way. I didn't understand, understand bringing him out in the second game. Uh, I didn't yesterday rather. I didn't understand bringing him out in that game yesterday. I Brad hand, you know, is, is struggling. I felt like bringing him out in the second game after the, the, the Yankees game the day after, you know, he struggled so much against a team that he's not good against. I didn't think that was very smart either. And so you're seeing the same names pop up over and over again. I mean, they're really just going to town. I mean, with the, the same guys, it's going to be Hudson, Hand, Finnegan, and then Rainey. And it feels like they need to expand their horizons a little bit. Like Austin Voff, I know they don't want to put him in a bad spot, but the performances across the board, I mean, everybody's had a blow-up spot at some point, right? I know they, they want to ease Will Harris back into this, but besides Huddy, I mean, everybody's had a bad moment it just feels like even after their bad moment, they get thrown back out there and ready to go as opposed to all right, resetting, maybe giving the person a day off or a different opportunity just to go with the guys who are pitching well as opposed to, I mean, they just feel so predictable towards the back end. And I feel like it's hurting their confidence and their performance with the bullpen. It's definitely been interesting usage from Davey. I think he subscribes to the notion that uh, if you have a bad outing, you go out there the next day and you you have another chance. Do, to do you think do you think he subscribes to that or or are we? Can <laughs> I we, mean, can that's, we, can, at this point, can we say he's pretty? much I think we could say that, definitively right? yes. That yes. is uh, <laughs> that's where he stands. Um, I, I do think it was questionable to bring hand out uh, that second Yankees game, especially considering he had gone into that second inning uh, in that first game. I believe he finished with twenty nine pitches, but he went one plus trying to go out for a second frame and he wasn't able to do it. The the of course the Yankees walked them off in that game uh, and they bring him back out there, which I thought was interesting, just given, you know, he's not a it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me to, to send him back out there two days in a row after that first one. Not only was he you know struggling, but to, to have him go as many pitches as he did, uh, you know, it would be one thing if you know he had only thrown 15 pitches. I think that would have made a little bit more sense to bring him back. Um, but it's clearly Davey, you know, felt confident enough in, in him. Um, but today, apparently he was only available in an emergency situation that was going to be you know, Hudson or both or, or some kind of combination of those guys for the back end uh, late in the game. They, they obviously brought Tanner Rainey out as well. Uh, I've just been kind of wondering where Will Harris is. I mean, I get the the idea that you need to ease him back in, but we've really only seen him twice since he came off the IL. And 
you know, he said several days in between appearances and, you know, that the kind of best question, was he really ready? Um, you know, if he isn't able to pitch as often, you know, a couple times, more than two times a week, you know, that, that's kind of interesting to me. So Harris is supposed to be a guy who's a, a stalwart back of the rotate, back of the bullpen guy, uh, a key member of that bullpen. And I feel like, you know, they need to start using him in more situations that, you know, warrant a, a back end guy. And we really haven't seen that yet. So I think as Harris kind of gets acclimated, we'll see him more. I, I wouldn't say hand spot as the closer is in any jeopardy right now. Um, but certainly, you know, the Davy's going to need to see more from him moving forward. Yeah, it's, you know, it goes back to the conversation that you and I had about the idea of like a closer, closer, right? Do you really need one? And you're at a point right now where maybe Brad Hand's best usage is in like the seventh inning, right? Uh, you know, or the sixth inning, right? If you get, you know, you have a, one of your right-handed starting pitchers go for a long start, bring lefty in at that point, and you can switch it up and switch back the next inning, right? You bring somebody else out of the bullpen, uh, because, I mean, last night, you know, he he missed with a bunch of pitches against the Yankees, a bunch. And then, you know, Justin Maxwell last night was very generous to Brad Hand saying, oh, you know, he just got unlucky. I mean, Odubel Herrera hit like a 5,000-foot home run against him. He hung right? that slider. There's I mean, no doubt. Left that, was, it right that was there for him. Yeah. yeah. And in that spot, like, they, they got to hold on to that lead. They absolutely have to hold on to that lead. And I understand, you know, you're putting him back out there. But, you know – it's at a, it's at a, it's three games in the last five days where it's been bad. I mean, I just think, you know, everything should be on the table, right. With how this team handles the way that they, because here's the thing is this team at peak efficiency, in my opinion, is not good enough to contend in the national league East because it's the, you're going to have somebody who's injured all the time. You know, it's just the way it is. Look at the Mets or the Braves, right. Guys on the shelf all the time. Who do you have to, to replace them is the big key. And I would lean towards those other teams more often than I would lean towards the Nats. With that in mind, like, I think everything should be on the table in terms of how you handle this, right? So Austin Voss pitching well, and you got, you know, one run game in the seventh inning. You may not feel great, but if Brad Hand's gone back-to-back days or Kyle Finnegan's threw 23 pitches the day before, maybe you go with Austin Voss. Maybe you go with Will Harris in the eighth. Maybe you go with, I mean, Daniel Hudson. Has been, you know, Daniel Hudson's been been excellent. Right. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like once again, we get stuck so often with the traditional ideas of he is our closer. Right. And maybe flipping Brad Hand and Daniel Hudson might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about it before the season. I don't think that having a defined closer is the way to go in, in today's baseball age. But that's that's the way a lot of things end up going. Now, I will say Daniel Hudson has come out and said that he doesn't really like closing. Uh, he prefers to be in a setup role. And, and Will Harris has been a right. setup man for almost his entire career. So if you go strictly off, off of closer experience, hand is your guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and up until that Yankee series, he was on a streak of 24 consecutive save opportunities converted uh, right. in regular season games. The only uh, save opportunity he did not convert in that entire span was in the playoffs against the Yankees. Uh, right. So clearly the Yankees have his number yeah, that uh, felt, in a lot of ways. That felt like, I mean, because here's the problem. I have a problem doing it the next day. Like this is a team that clearly has his number and he threw a bunch of pitches the day before. I understand getting back on the horse. I get the mentality, but I mean, you, you know, you have a chance to win two or three there and, and, you know, it's all going to go your way. Um, like, you know, and once again, the weird thing is Kyle Finnegan, that's, that's another one I had a problem with 23 pitches on Tuesday night. And you can bring him back out on Wednesday night. It's just. He's he, a young guy too. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that he mentioned earlier in the season saving the bullpen and then he keeps going back to the same people repeatedly, you know, it's a little bit 
it, it's it's I'm not saying it's it's contradictory, but I do think I do think it just shows kind of the conflict of Davy trying to figure out how to manage this thing because they're, they're not in a whole lot of situations where they're winning a lot of the time. It feels like quick pause for the cause on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. We've talked about it before. Talk about it again. Locker Room, guys, is the coolest thing going on right now in kind of the sports, not media world, but the sports discussion world. It's a lot like Discord, but an audio kind of setting. You download the app on iPhone or Android. You sign up in there. It's free to do. And you can follow, you know, all of your favorite sports personalities. So if you want to join my rooms, you can follow me. Uh, Josh Neighbors, just search that and you'll find me. And I always follow back normally as well, too. So we can, uh, you know, always interact with that. You guys will get notified when my things go live. It's just the perfect place to interact with fans, uh, writers, podcasters, radio people, whatever. Um, and it's really easy to do. And you actually host your own rooms as well. So it's really easy to do. Go download the free Locker Room app now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Also, the beta is available on Android. Create your profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL, uh, whatever kind of groups you guys want to do, college football, college basketball, all of those are on there. Uh, I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms and your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait for you all to join my next room when I do some trivia once again or just talk Nats, talk baseball in general, whatever it is. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk about sports. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the best place to find affordable parts for your car or truck. RockAuto.com is a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com, the best thing about them, the prices for them are always reliably low. And the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Do not spend up to twice as much elsewhere for the same part you're looking for. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That lets them know that we sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, now back to my conversation with Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Right now, let's kind of flip to the offense. So, I mean, this is, this is an eclectic bunch, to say it best. I mean, you know, you've got Sarlon Castro, who's just red hot. You know, you've got Juan Soto and Trey Turner. You know, Jan Gomes has hit the ball well, and it's like, and Josh Harrison has, and then you put kind of the results up, and uh, Ryan, Her- Ryan Zerman too. They cannot drive runners in scoring position a lot of the time, right? And they leave a lot of people on base. You know, the other night, I think the other night's a great example of when they got the bases loaded and Josh Bell came up, and it didn't feel like for one second the at-bat was competitive, right? They just have a lot of guys who are at different points right now. That's the way it feels to me. What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, the the big thing that they're missing is just power in general. I, I was right. looking at their numbers today, and the guy leading the team slugging percentage is Trey Turner, which you know it it says a lot about how Trey has really transformed his you know approach to the plate and, and production as a hitter in general. But for him to be the guy who's supposed to be your leadoff hitter or number two hitter bat, batting in front of all the big guys, that that's kind of concerning. Um, you know, Bell is an interesting case just because he's been. Uh, so streaky in his career, you know, Davey Martinez is not stepping down from his perch at all saying, you know, we believe in Josh. It is early for him. Uh, you know, I believe he's played 23, 24 games now. Um, so he's saying like, look, he's so close. We feel like it's going to happen. And he had a bomb today, 455 yeah, he did. feet, 
I mean, you know, got to give him credit for that, but it was his only hit of the afternoon. You know, how often are, when are we going to start seeing multi-hit games from, from Josh Bell, you know, right. where he's brought up in multiple situations coming through, you know, it's nice to see him and Schwarber, you know, hitting those home runs in the first inning. Uh, you know, they had a, a sequence uh, the other day where they hit back-to-back doubles uh, to, to drive, forget who was first, but the other drove the other in. Um, so overall, you know, those two guys, they they were brought in to be their, you know, four and five hitters in this lineup. You need even three and four hitters uh, if you move Trey and, and Soto up a spot. Uh, and, and they just haven't been that. Uh, you know, the Nationals don't have any protection for Soto, and we've seen, you know, him get walked and walked and walked. So, you know, it's yeah. constantly putting these guys who are struggling mightily into these situations where they need to come through. Because, uh, you know, a, a Starling Castro single with two outs in the in, in the sixth and uh uh, occasional Jan Gomes double, you know, those, those aren't really going to push the needle. You need the guys who you're putting in positions to su- succeed, AKA Schwarber and Bell, uh, you know, to come through in those situations. And if they're not coming through, then you need to, you know, work around the lineup and, and, and try to find some other ways that uh, Grant Paulson pointed this out uh, today on Twitter. And you and I actually talked about it before the season of the possibility of hitting Trey third. Um, I, I would be very interested to see how that might work with Soto second, Trey third, um, not just necessarily from a, you know, first, second, third, fourth standpoint, but just that Soto couldn't really be pitched around very well after that, after that, you know, you right. have to kind of pitch to him. And of course, you know, we, we might see Turner get pitched around, but when Turner gets pitched around, he draws a walk and he's an instant base stealing threat. So the, the likelihood of him being pitched around is actually a lot slimmer, even though, you know, he's been arguably the Nationals best hitter this year. So if you were to hit Trey Turner in third, who would go first and second? You'd go. I would go Josh Harrison. I mean, strictly off of OBP, he's the next closest right. guy. Or you could My, go Starlin Castro, but he doesn't draw a ton of walks. Actually, what I was wondering because the thing for Starlin Castro is he doesn't draw a ton of walks. But yeah. for them at this point in time, I mean, you know, he's drawing they, walks right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the guy, <laughs> I mean, the guy is the king of singles. So we've already established this, right? I mean, he's gonna, I would I would be open to that. I think I think it could definitely work. I think they got to be they got to be creative. And, and you know what the weird thing is, Matt, is that it feels like Juan and Trey have rarely had good games simultaneously. Yes. Like, and Trey is like it'll be like three or four, four or five, and then oh or four, right? I mean, that's kind of the season he's. It's a very weird, you know, it's a very weird season he's having. But it feels like the nights where Trey is on, nobody else is on. Like literally nobody else can swing the bat. And so they're just trying to find the fit the parts of the lineup together, right? Where it's, you know, where like here are the guys who are playing well and they're hitting together. That is the problem they're having right now. And the other problem is this, is that if Ryan Zerman was 32, I think, I think he'd already be playing a bit more first just because. Playing every night if he's 32. Right. right. But they <laughs> – you know, even like regardless of Josh Bell, right? You know, even if even if Ryan was some bad defensive first baseman, you know, whatever, just because of what he's doing at the plate, that's you know, that's why they'd have to hit him. I think the reason why they're not going to that is just because he's older and you you can't put him out there like that often this early in the season, right? I mean, that's you know, you're 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 gonna wear him down. And he has been so good in these spots. I mean, I forget which game was the other night when he got he uh, against uh, Alvarado, right? Pinch hit double. They've got to drive him in. I mean, I, I forget if they did or not. I'm trying to, that was, the, did not. That was okay. the bases loaded, right, against Alvarado? Yeah, and he was Josh Bell. Yes. So they've, you know, and then the other the other day they had uh, Stevenson on second, and they couldn't drive him in. I know the situational hitting is bad across the league. The Nationals are especially bad, like noticeably especially bad at it. And to me it feels like approach. I know one thing that's been talked about a lot is the number of first-pitch fastballs that they take. 
And for these guys who have a lot of confidence, getting behind the counts not where you want to be. A lot of fishing is happening. You see a lot of guys, a lot of Robles and Schwarber and, and Bell fishing at pitches low. And I feel like low in the zone, especially recently, has been the spot where they've been had. Um, have they talked about, you know, switching that up, trying to change that approach? I, I know Davey talked about having Stevens in the lineup yesterday and Jordy Mercer because they're both guys who hit fastballs well. Do you think he was trying to kind of alter the lineup and say, hey, we need to start getting after these guys, get after their ass kind of early in the game? Yeah, I asked Davey specifically about Zimmerman the other day uh, as to whether he thinks uh, he can be an everyday player. And he said he thinks he can play five to six times a week, um, you know, with the if he were to be called upon, you know, by an injury or whatever. Uh, and then I asked him, what about Josh Bell? If, if he continues to struggle, could we see Zimmerman start to eat into more of his starts? And he said, I'm not I can't even give you an answer to that right now. Right. Uh, I'm not. It's not on my radar. You know, I believe in Josh Bell. Uh, we're going to continue to roll him out there often. And, and, you know, when I see a matchup that works for Zimmerman, uh, you know, whether it be a left-handed um, pitcher or somebody he's been successful against in the past, then, you know, Zimmerman will go out and get those starts. And anytime we, we see the Nationals playing an early game, you know, you, you can bet on him playing a couple games at DH in that series as well. Uh, so, you know, I think that overall we're not, we're seeing Davey, bring out a lot of different lineups in terms of the order of everybody, but it seems like he's pretty locked in onto who's going to be in his starting lineup every day. He's, he's given Robles a few days off for Stevenson on certain days to get an extra left-handed bat in the lineup. Um, we've seen it with Yadiel Hernandez as well uh, and getting in there sometimes, but the nationals, they, they don't have another center fielder. Um, so, you know, Yadi can't play center. Soto can't play right. center. Schwarber can't play center. So it's gotta be Stevenson or Robles at that point. Um, so you're, they're kind of locked in with the guys that, that they've started the season with at every position. You know, the Robles thing is really interesting because at this point, you know, you start, you really just have to start asking what is the best version of him as a major league hitter? Because his approach to me is not improving. You know, a lot of the times, I, I mean, feels like he'll pull a ball to the right side, you know, the kind of almost best result for him is almost hitting a hard ball down the third baseline sometimes, you know what I mean? It's, it just, it's not happening for him up there. And I mean, he's been awesome on defense this year. I believe his metrics are still pretty good on defense, right? Better than they were last year. Yeah. I mean, he, yes. The last year was really <laughs> difficult for him last year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they're stuck with him, right? And that's kind of, they've got to ride that part out. I and mean, there, there is no zero option, right? You could go Andrew Stevenson, but as far as center field goes, they're kind of stuck with, with Robles. Yeah. I mean, unless the nationals work out some kind of trade with the Cubs that involves Ian Happ and uh, Chris Bryant, you know, right. I think we're seeing uh, Robles there uh, in center for, for the long haul, at least this season, you know, we can kind of go from there, but they're, they, you know, have read the company line with him as well. You know, they believe in him. They, they think that he's going to come around. He's a guy who coming into spring training, Kevin Long talked a lot about how this was a big spring for him because Robles had a very interesting offseason. He went down to the Dominican League, and he was told to completely revamp both his approach and his swing. Uh, he, he worked on his, his uh, load up. Uh, he worked on his approach to the plate, you know, when he was swinging, all that kind of stuff. And then he played nine games and suffered an injury. I can't remember what it was. I believe it was a hip or, or something like along those lines. Um, and so he had to rehab that injury and then went into spring training, having – practice some of the things that he uh you know worked on Dominican League but have not been able to face live pitching up until that point goes into spring training impresses coaches with his two-strike approach he's drawing walks and then he comes into the year and what does he do he shows that approach but he's too patient I mean he's not swinging at, at anything 
Uh, and the only thing he's, he's hunting just fastballs uh, and, you know, and it, it's up in the zone. That's the only time we'll swing at it is a fastball up in the zone. I, I can see it in any breaking ball. You know, he was just laying off, laying off, laying off, which was show, he was drawing some walks for it. But I think that he started to get frustrated because he still hasn't had a home run this year. Uh, and right. I think he was starting to get frustrated that he wasn't, you know, hitting for any power because, you know, he bulked up before 2020 hoping to hit more home runs. So he definitely wants to do that. Uh, so then now, you know, he sees that he's not hitting for any power and he tries to go back to his falls back into his old ways a little bit, you know, trying to really connect with some pitches. And now he just looks kind of lost because he's caught between these two different plate approaches uh, that neither of them have really turned into super productive outputs for him. And he kind of needs to find that halfway point between the two. And he's still a young player, you know, uh, I'm, I'm like the same age as him. So uh, right. he's still, he's still prospect uh, status. So uh, I won't say that, you know, he's not going to be able to figure it out. He could have a very long career ahead of him. But with right. the way right now, you know, you talk about what's the best version of Robles. The best version of Robles is, is somebody who can find that balance uh, of somebody who can draw walks and hit for at least, you know, gap to gap power. If he's not hitting for home runs, it'd be fine if he hits 10 home runs in a season, but he racks up 40 doubles. You know, that's something that the Nationals could take, you know, anytime. Uh, it's just kind of a question of him finding that middle ground right now. One more pause in the action on today's show. Let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Sports Trade. Guys, Sports Trade's really cool. Uh, and I've been talking about it now for a little while. You guys want to hear about this. It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood, but for fantasy sports, their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way for you to cash in on all of your sports knowledge. And they just added baseball to the platform, so check it out today. Making money with Sports Trade is simple as player values rising and falling based on two factors. One, their performance in terms of stats and you know what their output is. The second is their supply and demand. Who wants them? Who doesn't? That's what determines a player's value. The more demand a player has, the higher their value will go. It is that simple. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock and a rookie with a huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer, Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, and you can do that right now and watch the players, watch how they you know, fluctuate in the market. Right now, go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com. Discover all the fun. It's exciting. It's new. It's profitable. It's a fun, brave new world of sports trading. This truly is the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit in the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sportstrade.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is in full swing, as you all know if you listen to this podcast. Of course you know that. Get all the latest news, odds, scores, all of those things at betonline.ag. You can bet on the NBA, NHL, UFC, boxing, uh, PFL, Bellator, horse racing, all of those things. You can bet on, of course, Major League Baseball as well. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore on this one either, my friends. This is your chance to get in the game as teams in the NHL and the NBA prep for their playoff runs. Not really MLB yet, a little bit longer to wait, but those teams are prepping, getting ready to go. The horses are prepping for the second leg of the Triple Crown in the Preakness, so get in on the action today. Head to their website, mobile device, laptop, sign up. It's free. Use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, 
for a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit 100, they'll give you an extra 50 as well. Once again, bet online, use that promo code locked on because bet online, they are your online sports book experts. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting? The last guy I want to get to on the offensive side, Kyle Schwarber. So, you know, I mean, D, I, I didn't know the Nats were getting a defensive ace out in left field. Uh, <laughs> well, he's thrown out Odubel Herrera and Francisco Lindor, I believe now. And he's yeah. accu- and his throws are accurate. He, you know, it looks awkward when he's reading balls either off the wall or he's kind of seen it through the air. You know, he had one last night where he took about, I think it was last night, he took like 10 steps back and then took like 10 steps. Yeah, in. and then no just, just like, what yeah. the hell's happening? Um <laughs> But he is, you know, he's really improved that part of the game. And it's weird. He's hitting 202, but this is like the most impactful 202 possible, right? I mean, he what he has done is having a clear impact on the game. Now, he needs to improve the plate. I thought today he looked – I thought he looked really locked in today. Strikeout, that was a good take. Um, you know, he kind of got hosed with that call. So, I think he's starting to turn the corner. I, and I also think to – I, you know, I know people, people might not buy into this, but – the idea that like the defense that he can, that something that's given him confidence now, like he, there is, you know, there's a reason for the Nats to play him every single day. You know, they're not just playing him because he's an investment and they need him to play well. They're playing him every single day because that guy is, you know, he's a legit big league left fielder right now, like a, a legit above average big league left fielder right now. I think that's something that you can definitely draw confidence on 110%. Yeah. I mean, I think that as far as defense goes, it's been kind of a big thing for him ever since he switched out to the outfield. Uh, that he, you know, be regarded as a good fielder because he was regarded as a good fielding catcher. You know, that was an important right. part of his game. You know, he was a great blocker. I think it was the arm strength people were worried. Was, yeah, what, what raving the, about. Yeah. What was the people were worried about, though, with his catching? Like, I didn't think he could do it. Well, I think it was his game calling, actually. Right, as I was uh, saying, calling, he could call, call a game at the big league level. Which yeah, is I think, very I, challenging. think I need to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was back when, right. when he was just first starting. Because um, clearly the arm strength is there. <laughs> it's there. I mean, yes. we can we, we see it on a nightly basis. Yes. and. When he moved out to the outfield, Davey Martinez was the bench coach uh, in, in Chicago, and he was the one who worked with Kyle on, on his outfield and, you know, got him going and helped teach him the fundamentals of a new position. Uh, and back then, the Joe Madden would double switch him out of the game late in games for a uh, you know, defensive upgrade. And Schwarber took that personally. That was something that he, you know, really get frustrated about saying, you know, I want to be out there. Uh, and Davey just would tell him, look, you know, you're, you're on the right track. Keep working toward it. You know, one day you're going to be a guy who we can count on in later innings to, to be a good glove out in, in the outfield. And sure enough, here we are, you know, however many years later, and he's doing exactly that. So the, the fielding has been awesome. Uh, you you got to be happy with that. I, I do think that, you know, he's had some timely hits uh, at the plate that have kind of helped gloss over the fact that he's really not hitting well overall. Yes. Um, you know, where Josh Bell just hasn't had timely hits, and that's why his struggles have been all the more glaring. Um, but Schwarber, you know, he, he's a guy coming in the year who I wasn't hundred percent sold on him being an everyday player because I wasn't sure if he could hit left-handed pitching and he's to his credit, he actually has done pretty well against lefties so far this year, a bit of a small sample size, but, uh, you know, he's been able to handle that. It's actually the righties that he's really been struggling against. So, uh, if he settles in and starts hitting righties the way that we expect him to, uh, you know, he, and he you know, can carry over what he's been doing against lefties. He actually could be a, a very dynamic player. Uh, for the Nationals, but overall, you know, right now he, he's still got a few holes in his swing. You know, he, he focused on being really squatty. That was the word he used coming yes. into the season. It's very uh, helping him get to the helping him to get to the outside of the plate and everything like that. And I, I think his two strike approach has actually been pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I think he's just kind of been missing pitches uh, at certain points throughout this kind of prolonged slump. So uh, when he connects, it goes a long way. But you know, the Nationals definitely need some more consistency if he's going to continue to hit fifth. Yes, I 110 percent agree. Um, 
couple quick pitching things. Number one, we can expect to see Wander Suero probably against uh, against the Diamondbacks, correct? Suero was activated and considered ready to go when he was okay. activated, so I was surprised that he wasn't in already. But yeah, we should see him. <laughs> Knowing his usage rate, I was actually I was exactly. Like, I was like, if he's active, I could see Davey throwing him in there going right away. In seventh, right? And then yeah. Strasburg, where are we on that? This one feels like one that they're just they they want to get it right really badly because they need yes. to get him back on the field and they can't have any more setbacks at this point. Definitely not. No, Strasburg is has thrown or is throwing a bullpen today. I'm not sure if he's done it yet. Uh, but the Nationals were going to have him do that uh, and evaluate after there to determine when he's going to do a rehab start. Uh, they're not sure if he's going to go down to AAA Rochester or up, I guess, to AAA Rochester and do a, a start there or um, have him pitch a sim game um, at Nationals Park. They haven't decided what they're exactly going to do yet, but we can figure that he is going to miss this next turn of the rotation um, with Scherzer and Ross going the next two games uh, and, and slotting in sometime. Uh, after that, you know, either at the, in this upcoming weekend uh, or the, the series immediately following. Well, Matt, get your coffee ready. Uh, they are heading out west to play the Diamondbacks. We always, you know, we love the first game, 940 Eastern time, first pitch. Oh, yeah. that's, that's what we live for. So just kind of final thoughts here on this. I think the one positive thing, I know it's a national podcast, you can try to be positive, whatever. Like, the, I, I'm not feeling great about this team. They're 14 and 19. I think the one thing you could say positively, though, is they got to win. Today is what a Nationals win should look like, right? It is a strong starting pitching effort. The bullpen get, help, you know, helps get it done. And then the offense was timely. They only got, you know, they left three guys on base and they were one for three in the scoring position. They were meaning, their hits were meaningful today. They had meaningful offense. Yeah. I think for, they've been struggling at home, lost four in the last six. I think getting away from home, going to a new setting, playing a team the Diamondbacks, not that great. And the Cubs haven't been that great either. I like the situation for the Nats. I think it's a, I think it's a one that they can actually definitely take advantage of because I know Davey talked about the whole go one and no everyday thing today. He actually mentioned that, you know, we have to put everything behind us and we do it. I think this is a great opportunity to say, all right, keep the good feeling, put everything else behind you. Let's go on the road and try to take care of business against two teams that they've actually got a shot against. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's, I think there's say, a chance here for some positive. I'd say bookmark this game because after last night's game, Davey Martinez Noticed a lot of players in the dugout with their heads down, kind of dejected. So he brought everybody together in the clubhouse and gave this big speech all about the go one and oh stuff. You know, we right. believe in this group, all that rah-rah stuff. And, and they come out and win. So, you know, we're, they're one and oh since uh, Davey Martinez's speech. We'll see if uh, that, that streak lives on. Matt Weirich, NBC Sports Washington. Where can people find you and your work? Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick, where I post all of my baseball thoughts and articles and all my stories go up onto NBCSportsWashington.com. Awesome. Matt Wyrick, we appreciate your time, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks, Josh. All right. That will do it for today's show. Be on the lookout for our Diamondbacks and Nationals preview that's coming up with my friend and fellow host, Millard Thomas. He and I are going to break down the upcoming series. We're recording it tonight. It'll be out on Friday morning. So make sure you guys check that out for your Diamondbacks and Nationals series preview. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, please stay safe.